Donald Trump has been the worst president this country has ever had. And I, I, I don't say that hyperbolically. He, he is. Um, but he is a consequential president. And he has brought this country in three short years to a place of weakness that is simply unimaginable if you were pondering where we are today from the day where Barack Obama left office. And there were a lot of us on that day who were deeply skeptical and very worried about what a Trump presidency would be. But this is a moment of unparalleled national humiliation, of weakness. When you listen to the president, these are the musings of an imbecile, an idiot. And I don't use those words to name call. I use them because they're the precise words in the English language to describe his behavior, his comportment, his actions. We've never seen a level of incompetence, a level of ineptitude, so staggering on a daily basis by anybody in the history of the country who's ever been charged with substantial responsibilities. It's just astonishing that this man is the president of the United States, the man, the con man from New York City, many bankruptcies, failed businesses, a reality show that branded him as something that he never was, a successful businessman. Well, he's the president of the United States now, and the man who said that he would make the country great again, he's brought death, suffering, and economic collapse on truly an epic scale. And let's be clear, this isn't happening in every country around the world. This place, our place, our home, our country, the United States, we are the epicenter. We are the place where you're most likely to die of this disease. We're the ones with the most shattered economy. And we are because of the fool that sits in the Oval Office behind the Resolute Desk. Welcome to Liberté, Galité, Fraternité and all that. A podcast about current affairs, foreign policy, politics and governments behaving badly. Episode 10, A Confederacy of Imbeciles, Sociopaths, and Cowards. It did not have to come to this. Now, while COVID has wrecked havoc across the world, the U.S. did not have to be in this situation with the worst performance in the Western world, with the highest death rate, with the highest number of cases, and basically an utter collapse of the federal government's response to this crisis. It is very hard to improve on Steve Smith's succinct evaluation of Donald Trump with which this podcast opened. But you have to acknowledge that Donald Trump had a lot of help in this disaster. In the 1990s, Hillary Clinton wrote, or possibly ghost wrote, a book based on an African proverb, it takes a village to raise a child. Well, it took a confederacy of imbeciles, sociopaths, and cowards to get us into this situation. Now, if you think I'm going to degenerate in this 
Now, if you think this episode is going to degenerate into name calling, well, you're absolutely right. If this bothers you, I recommend you end the this episode right here. If not, let us proceed. Now, target for a lot of criticism in this process has been the CDC, because the CDC made mistakes. It made mistakes in evaluating what the risks were. It made mistakes in the advice it gave on masks. Uh, even Dr. Fauci has had advice he has changed his mind on. But what people forget and do not understand is this is a new virus in humans. Imbeciles like Kellyanne Conway tried using the phrase COVID-19 to assume that hey, this is the 19th iteration of the virus. But no, this just means this was discovered in 2019. We do not have a track record of this virus in humans. We are still learning what this virus does. We are still learning what the long-term effects on people are. We still do not know everything. And advice has changed as information comes out. Now, this is confusing to the general public. But again, with pop proper leadership, this is something that could have been disseminated. But again, the aforesaid Confederacy has helped generate an immense amount of misinformation that has made this problem worse. So every time the CDC has to correct some of its advice, and part of the problem now is you have Donald Trump political appointees trying to put pressure on the CDC to change some of its advice, it loses credibility. And this has made the problem worse. Now, again, this starts at the top. Harry Truman said, the buck stops here. Donald Trump said, I do not take responsibility. Across the world, leaders have seen their popularity rise as people basically rallied around the flag and rallied around good faith leaders trying to fix this problem. We are led by a toddler. Yes, it is true. China bears a great deal of blame for how this virus started, the fact that the Chinese government tried to cover this up. But once this virus got out, how it spread in the country is the responsibility of that country's leaders. And when you contrast us to Asia, or even Europe, and I understand it's now picking up in Europe again, but even Europe, because Europe was spared our horrible ghastly summer in the United States, the United States response, again, particularly at the national level, has been a failure. We are led by a paranoid imbecile who, when faced with the virus, his first reaction was not, how do I stop this? His first reaction was concerned that this was a democratic plot to destroy his beautiful economy. Now, he didn't create this economy. He inherited this, inherited this economy from Barack Obama and consecutive quarters of growth. But he likes to pretend he created it. And that was his best ace in the hole for re-election. A smarter man who didn't need to tell people he's a stable genius would have realized that this was an opportunity. Show your competence, show that you deserve this job. But instead, as I said, we are led with a par by a paranoid imbecile who spent all of February and March pretending that this virus was a no big deal, that this virus would just magically go away. 
And in those critical months, the federal government just wasted all that time. It did nothing. He did finally shut down travel from China. And this is something he harps on all the time because that's the only thing he did. And of course, he didn't just shut, he didn't really shut down China because a lot of airlines had already started canceling flights from there. But even then, tens of thousands of people got in from China after this quote-unquote shutdown. And then the virus that ravaged New York and the East Coast did not come from China. It was a strain that came from Europe. And when Donald Trump could be bothered to shut down travel from Europe, he initially confusingly exempted two countries, Ireland and the United Kingdom, even though neither of those countries was doing that well with the virus. And a lot of rumors were this was because those countries happened to have Trump golf courses. That did change in a week, but he took his time, he wasted it. But even more critical was the total abdication of responsibility at the federal level. There were two things the federal government should have done. One, it was very clear that for a response to this virus, we needed testing. We needed large amounts of testing. We needed testing that delivered results quickly. And the federal government was in the best situation to coordinate all this. And the second was making sure PCPs and medical supplies were available in enough quantities to help overstretch hospital supply systems. And as I said, over here, Donald Trump abdicated responsibility. So instead of the federal government coordinating all this, you had, he dumped it all in the hand of the states. And what is the result of this? Instead of one government jurisdiction doing the purchasing, coordinating this, coordinating the supplies, you had 50 states, a bunch of territories, Washington, D.C., all fighting for the same scarce supplies. The governor of Maryland was even reduced to the level of using his wife, who is Korean, using her contacts to have stuff shipped from Korea and then ordering the state National Guard to put it under lock and key so the federal government would not steal it which it did steal it because the sociopathic imbecile Donald Trump put in charge of this was his incompetent son-in-law, Jared Kushner, who actually went on TV and said, hey, this belongs to the federal government. It's not, it doesn't belong to you, it belongs to us. And what are you going to do with it? Well, it has since turned out that Jared Kushner, even though he was from New York, was perfectly willing to let New Yorkers die because it was a political problem for the blue states. Now, this has been a theme of Republicans in recent years. It has been a theme of the Donald Trump presidency. Screw the blue states. Let's stick it to them because they didn't vote for me. Because Donald Trump is evidently president of just the red states, or probably more given his defense of the Confederate battle flag, president of the Confederacy. So you had this big abdication of responsibility here. You had an incompetent nincompoop who is the president's son-in-law who has displayed his incompetence at multiple levels, but it's still Donald Trump's Mr. Fix-It because he can't trust anybody else in charge of this. The other po point person was Mike Pence, who, whose past hits include causing an HIV outbreak in Indiana, and who stubbornly, when the data was clear, refused to wear masks. And we still don't know whether he actually had COVID during the vice presidential debate. And at this point, nobody really trusts anything out of this administration, so who knows? And so with this 
failure. You had the states fighting for these scarce supplies on their own. And again, who knows how much profiteering has happened on this uh, level. Now, as this crisis started, you must acknowledge also that there was imbecility on a bipartisan level. And about as big an imbecile as Donald Trump is the mayor of New York, Bill de Blasio, aka Dan Blasio. Bill de Blasio refused initially to accept the need for a shutdown. And basically, he had to be forced into it by his staff and threats of resignations. And even since then, he's generally been an embarrassment. Uh, more recently, he's been aggressively trying to force schools to open and claiming that a bunch of parents demanded to go back to schools. And when schools opened and the numbers were way below what he claimed, he's now trying to threaten parents to get their kids back into school. Now, this is not an easy subject, but you, uh, contrary to another sociopathic imbecile in in the Trump administration, Betsy DeVos, the incompetent education secretary who actually went on TV to say that children are COVID stoppers, which they are not. It's very likely a lot of kids did not catch COVID in March because, well, they were at home. Uh, they were not out there exposed to stuff that would catch it. And I know at least on a personal level, a friend whose kids got COVID and then transmitted it to the rest of the family. But I'm starting to digress. Uh, we are picking on de Blasio here. He has been an embarrassment. And so the imbecile in the White House and the imbecile in Gracie Mansion have saved the reputation of Andrew Cuomo, who himself, people forget this now, he himself dithered and hemmed and hawed in March when it was clear a shutdown was needed. And then one of the things that drives Andrew Cuomo is his rivalry with de Blasio. The two do not get along, and there is a lot of gamesmanship at work in their relationship. But to give Cuomo credit, once he did shut down, he did it competently. He was on point, he listened to the science, he listened to people, and his press conferences were a marked contrast with the moron-in-chief, who thanks to the shutdown, could not have his big campaign rallies, so decided that I'm going to show the world how smart I am by having these daily press conferences where instead of letting the scientists talk, he decided to expound his wisdom. And this whole pathetic scenario ended with his poll numbers dropping and with him suggesting that we need to test people ingesting COVID, as a, a bleach as a solution to fight COVID. Among the greatest hits by Donald Trump along the way, we're wondering why antibiotics would not work on COVID? Well, because it's a virus, dummy. But hey, this guy is a stable genius. He has a big scientific mind because don't you know, his uncle was a professor at MIT. Oh, wow. Along the way, our Confederacy, starting with the president, starting with his incompetent son-in-law, his vice president, his members of his cabinet, let's not forget the delightful role Fox News has played in this fiasco. Now, more often than not, the Fox News, like the Wall Street Journal, has two divisions. There's a news division, which actually at times is competent and actually tells the truth. And then there is the opinion section, which lives in an alternate fantasy reality, spreading conspiracy, paranoid conspiracy theories and trying to rile up people to vote Republican. Now here, once in a while, people like Sean Hannity would talk about the importance of wearing masks. 
And then you had Tucker Carlson taking a break from his white power hour and Laura Ingram also taking a break from her random rantings on white supremacy and general partisanship. Both of them giving a lot of screen time to a bunch of nincompoops who uh, who, who have uh, spread a lot of nonsense about COVID. And Tucker Carlson has been making a bunch of silly claims about masks uh, and again has contributed to this problem. And as time has gone by with Donald Trump basically not getting what he wants to hear from Dr. Fauci and Dr. Brooks, he has started to listen to people who are telling him what he wants to hear. And among them, an institution that has not covered itself with glory in this crisis is the Hoover Institution at Stanford University which has produced an alarming al amount of academic, pseudo-academic gibberish. And among the favorites from this crowd is Scott Atlas, who's a radiologist, not a virologist, and who seems to have suggested to Donald Trump like herd immunity is the way to go. Do these sociopaths really care about how many people will have to die to get through herd immunity, assuming it works and assuming the virus does not keep mutating along the way? No, they don't care. We need to conquer the virus. We don't care how many other people die in the process of doing it. Uh, one of the countries that everybody loves in this is Sweden, which, unlike its Scandinavian neighbors, decided to let the old people in nursing homes and working class immigrants die so that they would save their economy. And guess what? Sweden has the second highest death rate after the United States, in contrast to its Scandinavian neighbors. And again, you don't have long-term immunity, and you, the Swedish economy has not particularly done better than Denmark or Norway or Finland around it. Now, while I'm picking on a bunch of imbeciles and sociopaths right now, I, you must acknowledge that there were bipartisan officials who took it seriously. The Republicans governors of Ohio, Indiana, Massachusetts, and Maryland, the Democratic governors of Kentucky, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Michigan, and California, though California had other problems later, they all took it seriously. They all took the bold move to shut down their states, to try to get the virus under control, try to build up reserves, try to build up testing, try to basically get things right. And then along comes our moron in chief, because by May, looking at the jobless numbers and not understanding that a big problem you're going to have is unless people are not scared of the virus, the economy is in trouble. People are not going to go into dine-in restaurants in the numbers you need. Places like theaters and movie theaters and entertainment venues and museums are in deep trouble because people just will not go. You have to try to get the virus under control. Instead, Donald Trump started tweeting open liberate Minnesota, liberate Michigan to these armed yahoos who oppose shutdown measures because at that point, a lot of this virus was ravaging urban areas, which A, are generally democratic and B, minorities. Hey, it's not happening to me, so it can't be real, it's a hoax. So these imbeciles and sociopaths wanted the states opened up and regardless of what the long-term risks are. And we'll get to what happens to them in a second. So you had Donald Trump tweeting, let's open this up. And in this, he starts getting help from his own imbeciles at the local level. And let's start with the greatest hits. You had the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis. You had the governor of 
Georgia, Brian Kemp, you had the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott. Even before the curve in their state had flattened, these guys listening to Trump decided to open up their economy. And guess what? The results were predictable. As New York, Illinois, Massachusetts, Pennsylvania, Ohio all started getting their numbers under control, cases in these states skyrocketed. Meanwhile, the lieutenant governor of Texas, Dan Patrick, very helpfully told all people that it was basically that it was their duty to take risks and die so that their kids' 401ks were not ruined. Now, Texas is a very interesting case in the Republican Party because there are really two wings of the Republican Party in Texas, as is the case in many other states, but it's even more pronounced here. You have the business wing of the party, and then you have the total nut jobs, the birchers, birthers, right-wing conspiracy kooks, and the current head of the Republican Party is Alan West, who was a crazy Republican congressman from Florida until he was so crazy that he actually lost the election and now has relocated to Texas to take over the Texas Republican Party. God help us all. And this list of imbeciles, we are not done with it yet. You have the governor of Nebraska, Pete Ricketts, who threatened to withhold money from localities if they put mask mandates. Oh, by the way, Governor Kemp and Governor DeSantis and Governor Abbott all put restrictions on local governments imposing mask mandates. Brian Kemp actually took the city of Atlanta to court about a mask mandate and then basically made it toothless. Across the country, you have sheriffs, Republican sheriffs saying, we will not impose mask mandates. We are not clothes police. Oh, yeah? You think if people run around in the nude, these clothes police will not go around and arrest them? So, getting back to the governors, you have the governors of Arizona, Doug Ducey, you have the governor of, of Iowa, Kim Reynolds, and then you have Christy Nome of South Dakota, possible, possible presidential contender in 2024, who's still at South Dakota, even with a small rural population, now has COVID surging through the state, is still refusing to have masks because personal freedom personal freedom under this warped view evidently includes the right to make other people sick and not take basic precautions. Again, people at some level you would think get the leaders they deserve, but God help us all again. You have the governor of North Dakota who actually did issue a mask mandate and in base face with a Trumpist backlash, back down. And along the way in this, with this running out of control for about a week, Donald Trump finally posed with a mask. Uh, and then he gave it up. And then he decided, let's start, because he, the man feeds of adulation and he's missing his rallies. And because he was an income poop and he had to stop his press briefings, he decided to start his rallies. And he decided to start with an indoor rally in Tulsa. Oh, yeah. And then there was, of course, a COVID outbreak there after he left. But among his victims was Herman Cain, who was one of the maskless throngs of imbeciles sitting in the crowd. Along with Donald Trump's refusal to wear masks is his refusal for a long time to have people around him wear masks. And this potentially has him in the running for the Darwin Award if COVID does finally claim him because the biggest utility of masks appears to be preventing you from infecting others. And along the way, and we'll get to this later, 
the, the Republicans, after the death of Judge Ruth Bader, Bader Ginsburg, had the chance to appoint someone to the Supreme Court. And Donald Trump, of course, decided to have a super spreader event at the White House. And this one had a lot of repercussions because a bunch of senators, politicians, the president of Notre Dame University caught COVID, and it's very likely this is where Donald Trump got COVID. And of course, he's busy blaming military veterans and gold star families at another event he had for giving it to him. But this is where he fell sick. And for a couple of days, he was actually hospitalized. And again, we cannot really trust what his condition is, but he is getting medical care that you and I will not get if, if and when COVID gets us. He was hospitalized, came out two days later, and then unlike a normal human being admitting there were mistakes made and things would be corrected because Donald Trump fundamentally is incapable of admitting he was wrong. Trained by Roy Cohn, he was taught never to admit you made a mistake. This evidently to him is a sign of strength rather than brittleness. So he has since then he has gone nuts. He's reopened his super spreader rallies, which increasingly showing is causing thousands of COVID cases across the country. And basically he's started to yap that COVID is over. We have turned the corner and and just as we are now setting records and close to 100,000 cases a day, which is way higher than what we had in May. And part of the reason now is in the early part of the year, it was localized. It started in the Northeast and then it spread, spread to the South. So you only had certain regions where this thing was spiking and now it's spiking nationwide. And what happened in the last few months in states like Illinois, uh, where Chicago and others got it under control, it was the Trumpy counties where people were refusing to wear masks, where COVID started to run rampant. Because these are the people who spent a lot of time initially claiming, hey, this is not a problem. This is only a city problem. And it takes time, but it will eventually get there. It got there. And now guess what? It's now spreading back into the cities. So Illinois is now getting COVID numbers that it did not get at its peak uh, a few months ago. And of course, things get better, don't they? Because it's flu season. Uh, before we move on to the next bunch of the one three legs of this confederacy, let's talk about Chris Christie, who spent time with Donald Trump, helping him prepare for his disaster of a presidential debate. Obese, asthmatic, at high risk, Chris Christie got it. He was hospitalized, and he's lucky to be alive, and he's admitted that he should not have listened to the nonsense the Trump administration was spreading. Luckily for the Trump administration, at some level, we seem to have got a better handle on how to fight this disease. We're still losing a thousand. The death rate has probably dropped, but we're still losing a thousand a day because, well, the number of cases is so high. And we still don't know, again, what the long-term effects are. Donald Trump doesn't care. He's told us he had a lung infection. Again, he's getting treatment that you and I will not get. We have no idea what his condition is. We have no idea who... The, the secret service agents around him keep getting it, but our sociopath does not really care about what happens. So let's continue in the name calling to a bunch of sociopaths and frankly cowards. And this I refer to the Republicans in Congress and Republican Party officials generally everywhere. 
So once COVID happened and once we required a government shutdown, it was very clear we needed a stimulus. And given the sheer drop in jobs, we actually did get a stimulus passed. And of course, unlike the rest of the world, our stimulus was fairly relatively insignificant. We got a one-time payment to taxpayers. But our Republican officials operate under the theory that you cannot have benefits that are too generous because that will prevent these lazy bumps from working. Set aside the fact in the middle of the pandemic, certain people should not be heading back to work. And given the Republican war and desperate attempts to take away healthcare from people, it is really vile that they are trying to force people back into a workplace in a possible diseased environment. But who said Republicans actually care about people and their health? So you have sociopaths like Lindsey Graham complaining that the stimulus benefits were too generous and we need to get people back to work. Oh yeah, and along this way, the Republicans have suddenly started discovering the deficit, which will assume huge importance on November 4th, once Joe Biden is elected, if, and I'm assuming Joe Biden is elected president. What has happened to the Republican Party is ever since Donald Trump ended Mark Sanford, former governor of South Carolina, he who popularized the term hiking on the Appalachian Trail, ever since Donald Trump ended his congressional career by tweeting against him for very, very minor criticisms of Donald Trump because, again, our thin-skinned president cannot take any criticism from anybody because he's a perfect specimen in everything. Ever since then, Republicans have run scared. People are worried that the crazies in the base who love Donald Trump, like they love George W. Bush, who they now pretend doesn't exist, they will turn on them. And this is a problem. And this is a problem that is causing problems for Republicans in their current attempts to retain the Senate, as Donald Trump alienates moderates who normally would have voted Republican. What are these pe people to do? Do they piss off the base? Do they risk ending their careers on principle? Or do they, like cowards, look the other way? It has become almost an art form in the last four years. Donald Trump says something stupid or something vile or something racist. And Republicans in Congress are, they must be some of the most incurious people on the face of this earth or the most uninformed because they somehow have never heard of this. And you get a lot of visuals of Republican members of Congress or officials running away from the cameras because, well, they can't admit that their president is an imbecile. And then you have had sociopaths like Tom Cotton taking a break from wanting to turn United States soldiers against civilian protesters and Ted Cruz and Marco Rubio spreading again a bunch of nonsense. I never thought the day would come when I would ever agree with anything Liz Cheney said and it came as a shock to me when a couple of times I actually did agree with her because she's been one of the few Republicans in Congress because she's been very quiet of late uh, who has actually criticized Donald Trump's response to COVID. Maybe having, having a father at home with a heart condition who is a high morbidity case has something to do with it. Because as, as has been noted in the past, Republicans generally tend to find empathy when it hits close to home. Then you have the turtle, Mar Mitch McConnell, 
who only cares about getting judges done, who's probably given up on Donald Trump. So he wants to save his legacy by appointing as many hacks to the courts to prevent the Democrats from getting anything done. And when it's been clear we need a second stimulus, especially we need it for the restaurant industry and other service industry people, Mitch McConnell has been putting out a ridiculous amount that would not get anything done. Donald Trump, and it, this one is almost political malpractice because getting a stimulus would actually help Republicans. It would help if they care about Trump, they would probably have helped Donald Trump get reelected. And eventually Donald Trump seems to have realized this but as a recent column noted, he let these right-wing nutjobs turn into Herbert Hoover in not getting a stimulus done. It's going to be one of the factors that possibly causes him, costs him re-election. And along the way, our sociopath Mitch McConnell decided, hey, let's try and stick it to the blue states again. Because why not, right? So what has happened is, thanks to COVID, all these state local governments have, have suffered a heavy loss in tax revenue. And particularly given the abdication of responsibility at the federal level, you have a lot of lot of services being provided by the states. And this is not actually just a blue state problem. Red state local governments are suffering as well. But at the point, it was the blue states that were hit with COVID. And so here comes Mitch McConnell following the right, uh, the Republican tactic of screwing blue states. And now we have seen this before. We saw it during the auto bailout. We saw it during Hurricane Sandy when all these Republicans were like talking fiscal probity and personal responsibility because it was a blue state up on the thing. The next year when a hurricane hit Texas, sociopaths such as Ted Cruz were up in line with begging bowls in hand wanting money for Texas. Who says these people are consistent? So anyway, Mitch McConnell basically decided to publicly said he was going to screw the blue states, which resulted in a furious response from Andrew Cuomo who very accurately pointed out, guess what? It's the blue states that fund a lot of these leeches, red states. Many of whom are dirt poor and would not, would be borderline third world countries or at the economic level of the Balkans if were it not for the heavy subsidies they get from the federal government and the tax revenue comes from the blue states. But Mitch McConnell doesn't care. He's only cared about his Senate majority and failing that, making sure he gets judges on the court. As I said, sociopaths, they don't care. People are dying. They don't care. People are getting houses foreclosed. And this bunch of cowards is too afraid to take on Trump. And before I move on from this bunch, I do want to give an honorable mention to Ben Sassy of Nebraska. Now, Ben Sassy of Nebraska has attracted a lot of positive attention because he's well-educated. He's intelligent. He... He was, in some ways, a great hope of the Republicans moving past their anti-intellectual bent of the last 70 years. Now, the reality is, a lot of he, what he talks is typical right-wing pablum, but set that aside, he did sound reasonable. He was not totally a firebrand, but he's a coward. For the last three years, ever since, particularly since Mark Sanford was facing was taken out by a tweet, Ben Sassy has been missing in action. He's not going to go out, he's not going to criticize Trump. When impeachment came, he voted to keep Trump in office. And it's very easy to assume this was to make sure that he survived his primary. Once the primary is done, Ben Sassy is slowly discovering parts of his spine. And 
he first started gently discovering that deficits are bad. And now, a couple of weeks ago, it turned out in a campaign call, he ripped Trump for being incompetent, corrupt, his family using the government as a way to fund their business, for, for being a racist. Again, he's a coward. He's not willing to say any of this publicly. Now, this is in contrast to Mitch, uh, Mitt Romney. Now, Romney is in direct contrast to his niece, Rana Romney McDaniel, who, again, dropped her middle name because Donald Trump hates Romney. But Mitch Romney, credit where credit is due, he has actually stood up to Trump a few times. And he does have some insulation in that he's not up for re-election for another two years. And he's from Utah, where the Republican base is least enamored with Trump. So he's probably safe from a primary challenge. But to his credit, he has actually criticized Trump. He also said that he did not vote for Trump when it came time to in this uh, in the recent in the presidential election. So I will give Mitt Romney credit. I'm not the biggest fan, as anybody who read my now dormant blog knows. But given this collection of cowards and imbeciles in the Republican caucus of the of Congress, I will give Mitt Romney credit where credit is due. And. Quickly, since it's becoming a long episode of me I, c calling a bunch of people imbeciles, I do want to give some honorable mentions to imbeciles abroad. And a lot of these come from very populist acolytes on the Trumpian mold. And let's start with the most vicious of them, Jair Bolsonaro, president of Brazil, who possibly caught COVID at Mar-a-Lago or soon after, because a lot of his staff had, came to Mar-a-Lago in March and uh, Donald Trump, of course, has been cheerfully spreading COVID everywhere, so why not spread it to the Brazilians? Bolsonaro, again, is on the Trumpian mold, conspiracy-prone, conspiracy racist, with a bunch of corrupt sons, corrupt himself, and with no particular regard for democratic norms. But the big thing is he's convinced COVID is a hoax. And I didn't get to this. Uh, for a while, Donald Trump has was spent a lot of time before talking of ingesting bleach, produce, supporting every quack cure there was, and the big one out there was chloroquine. You have to wonder whether he had a financial interest in chloroquine, given how much he supported it. Chloroquine itself has been tried and tested and not particularly found to be effective. It would have been great if it was effective because cost-wise it's cheap, but it also is a prescription drug for a reason, because people have serious side effects. That has not stopped conspiracy nuts from going on and on about chloroquine, but it must be noted, when Trump went to the hospital, he did not take the stuff. But Jair Bolsonaro's reaction to COVID has been baffling. He fired his health minister for actually taking COVID seriously. He's largely ignored it and left the Brazilian states on their own. And Brazil, of course, has one of the worst cases out there. Viktor Orban in Hungary, who is basically a dictator within the European Union, albeit elected because he also rigged the electoral system to make sure his party stays in power, used it to pass a law to suspend elections to allow him to rule indefinitely by decree. And Hungary did okay because at least initially Eastern Europe and the Balkans were not as hard hit and when the borders closed they got away with it. But of course now it's spreading in Europe and they're saying it's possibly a new strain out of Spain. We'll find out. Again, that is a worrying development. 
but Hungary ain't doing that hot right now, but then neither is the rest of Europe. You had Boris Johnson in the UK who initially refused to stop shaking hands because that's the job of a politician until he caught COVID. And, well, he was hospitalized and the fear of impending death did force the British government to finally start a lockdown. The British actually flirted with herd immunity and then realized that it would destroy the hospital system. But the British response has been fairly incompetent and fairly comparable to our, ours uh, in how bad it has been. You have the wannabe Sultan, Ottoman Sultan in Turkey, Erdogan, who recently is pissed at a medical association for criticizing their government response and wanting legislation to prevent them from doing it again because priorities, right? And it's a problem in places like Turkey and then Russia, where you basically do not have a free press anymore. So it's very hard to know what's going on and what the actual cases are. Russia got it late and they took it light. And by all accounts, it's sort of run out of control in Russia and even next door in Belarus. But we don't know what the cases are. And it is something that does hurt Vladimir Putin for now. And you have to wonder if that played fear that his support is dropping during COVID led to the ham-handed attempt to poison one of his major rivals recently. Moving on to India, where there was a lot of chest thumping when India did not have COVID cases. And I actually had to deal with a bunch of nincompoops and imbeciles on Facebook who were spreading nonsense about Indians having genetic immunity or, uh, or, uh, or all these variety of reasons. Oh, India is full of viruses. We are already immune. Again, this is a virus that's new to humans. Nobody is immune. But India did not take this seriously. The much maligned opposition leader, Rahul Gandhi, actually asked the government to take it seriously in February. But the imbecile who is the health minister accused him of trying to cause public panic. The same imbecile who is health, still health minister has spent the last few months claiming India does not have community spread of the virus, even though India is like in the top three or four now, or maybe even number two in number of actual cases. You have the imbecile who is the Indian prime minister, and yet there is a series of episodes coming on the bungling Mr. Modi, who also didn't take it seriously at first, and then decided in March to have a big COVID spreader rally to welcome his friend, I kid you not, he called him Doland Trump to Ahmedabad. Ahmedabad soon after was a site of a huge COVID breakout. And again, this is the Indian national government did not take it seriously. What was taken seriously was by a few state governments like Maharashtra and Kerala where, where it hit hard. And you sort of had the same dynamic in India for a while that you had here when people were saying it's a New York problem, not our problem. And India, Maharashtra where Bombay, the commercial capital is, uh, got hit hard initially. And the state government took a lot of heat and Modi's government, rather than helping initially, was busy toppling opposition state governments to try to for power. Modi did order a lockdown, but in typical Modi fashion, he announced it with a four-hour lead notice, like who announces a lockdown without letting people plan. Among the casualties in India was nobody ever gave a thought to what happens to the migrant laborers who are now out of a job. and. The government does not have the money to keep them and feed them. So you led the spectacle of these poor laborers 
walking hundreds and thousands of miles back home and cheerfully spreading COVID back to their villages. And given the incompetence of the Modi government, they did not keep any statistics. So we do not exactly know what has happened. India's numbers have been dropping, but it's so hard to know what's going on in India because testing is spotty in many places. The official death toll seems to be low. And if India has done better than expected, possibly because of a slightly younger population, well and good. But there has been a heavy amount of incompetence and if in India, and well, we are still not done with the COVID story. The saving grace for India is going to be that some of the vaccine manufacturers are based in India. The people who are going to be making the vaccines that go to Europe and the United States. And so Indians are not going to be short of the vaccine. So getting back to our imbecile in chief, COVID Donnie, super spreader in chief. Ever since he's got out of the hospital, he's basically given up on the virus. Mark Meadows, his chief of staff, actually went on TV a week ago to say, hey, we cannot control the virus because it's a virus. And then spent the next day trying to walk back the statement. And Donald Trump has basically decided to go all in on denialism. He got a million dollars worth of care and he survived. Even though he has high morbidity, he's obese, uh, he has health issues we still do not know about because he's been dragging his right foot. He was taken to the hospital in December for something we do not know about. He helpfully told us he was not taken for mini strokes, even though nobody said he had taken he had a mini stroke. He has had very odd habits of how he clutches glasses of water. So who knows what's the case with him? But anyway, he has decided to to go ahead and say, we are, we are rounding the corner on COVID. Now, he's been saying this since February. The Daily Show did put out a video telling us how he has, how we have been rounding the corner on COVID. And maybe, and Daily Show noted that maybe he doesn't know what a corner is. But while he's been saying this, COVID has run amok. We are now, because it is not just regionalized outbreaks anymore. It's a nationwide outbreak. So the national numbers on a daily basis are setting records. We hit 100,000 a few days ago, and there's no end in sight right now. Donald Trump's government basically put in all faith on a vaccine, and they were aggressively trying to rush a vaccine before the elections. Our vaccine manufacturers are not total imbeciles, unlike this administration, and they know that the long-term money they make depends on a successful vaccine. Being first is helpful, but if it's being first without testing it properly and it's a dud, that doesn't do you any good. So we are going to go into election day tomorrow without a vaccine. And the last few days, Donald Trump has decided, our sociopath has decided to find new floors. You think he can't go any lower? That's a challenge accepted. So a few weeks ago, he started talking about how doctors made many money based on classifying people as being COVID positive. The last few days, he's taken it a step further by going on and saying they make money by classifying deaths as COVID. Needless to say, that has not gone down well in the medical community as it shouldn't. But he's busy spreading propaganda to his crowds. He's busy having these big COVID rallies where nobody wears masks, which has generally resulted in at evidently at least 30,000 cases 
from his rallies alone. And he's been going to all these hotspots. Uh, he finally, in Minnesota, a couple of days ago, the local officials finally cracked down and prevented his crazy rallies. Because again, the administration claims it's a First Amendment right. Well, the First Amendment doesn't give you the right to go around spreading a pandemic. Leaders are tested in crises. And there are many leaders and presidents who won't make the top three or four of American presidents, even if they ruled in peace and plenty, because they were never tested by a crisis. They were lucky. In ancient Rome, an example of this is the Emperor Antoninus Pius, who was the emperor between Hadrian and Marcus Aurelius. Antoninus Pius was lucky. He ruled for 20 years. He had some minor wars and campaigns in Gaul, but it's the last time when they were able to close the Temple of Janus because the Roman Empire was at peace. Hadrian before him faced a few foreign wars, including a major rebellion in Judea. And as soon as Antoninus Pius died, his unfortunate successor, Marcus Aurelius, who, if you have seen gladiators, the old emperor, spent all his reign first with the Parthians and then fighting the Germanic tribes on the borders. And along the way, oh yeah, he also got a plan pandemic, which we call the Antonine Plague, which killed his co-emperor Lucius Ferris. So Antoninus Pius, even though he was successful because he held the empire at peace for 20 years, generally doesn't make the list of top five emperors because you're never really tested by a crisis. So at some level, a test for a leader is a crisis. And how you respond to the crisis is important. As I said before, Donald Trump could have sealed re-election with a competent response to COVID. But when your country is led by a confederacy of imbeciles, sociopaths, and cowards who do not care about how the who are dumb, who do not care about how many people die, and you have people who are too scared to challenge these imbeciles and sociopaths, a country fails their test. And the United States led by an imbecile, a sociopath, enabled by cowards, has failed this test. We have election day tomorrow, and for the sake of our country, I hope our long national nightmare starts drawing to a close. Well, long episode, stream of consciousness episodes seem to turn, run long. So that's it for today. I will see you soon. If you have not voted already, please do go and vote.